remember seeing years ago those futuristic drawings saying what the future is going to be? I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing. Gleaming buildings, fast monorails. This is the future. It was all started by a monster. Twice the size of Manhattan. We want you to share with us our latest and greatest dream. Walt Disney World. Better than any other urban environment in America. Two True Freaks proudly presents... We hope that it will be unlike anything else on this earth. Golf courses, campgrounds, stores, hotels. Earning my ears. A once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for everyone who participates. We're ready to go right now. Earning My Ears, a Walt Disney World-centric podcast, is available monthly at twotruefreaks.com. This is the story of Star Wars. You can read along with me in your book. You will know it is time to turn the page when you hear R2-D2 beep like this. Let's begin now. Hi, this is John Waters, and you're listening to Two True Freaks. Keep on listening, or I'll have you killed. And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, a great adventure took place. Oh no! What will we do now? R2D2, you found a cigarette! Well, I don't think smoking is grown up at all. Don't be so ridiculous, R2. Under rules are for earthlings. All you need is a little rewiring, but children need to be fully immunized. I'm Gower. Wanna buy a droid? Show me what you got. Wampa, wampa, wampa! We picked up something. It's the Millennium Falcon. I am Boba Fett. The ship you seek is nearby. Two True Freaks presents Growing Up Star Wars. Action figures sold separately. Hello and welcome to episode number two of Growing Up Star Wars. I know you guys thought we would never make it this far, but <laughs> we're troopers and we've made it to the second second episode, our sophomore episode. And hey everybody, it's me, Chris Honeywell. And I'm here with the two Scots, Scott Gardner. <laughs> Hello. And Scott Ripon. Hello. <laughs> probably the two biggest Star Wars nerds that, that I could probably ever find on the planet to, to co-host Aww, you say the sweetest thing that Come here, give me a hug. show with me <laughs> <laughs> but don't worry there's yeah there's lots of caveats but <laughs> but i'm well, kind of excited because i i don't want to make it sound like it was hard or anything but we got past the first episode i think that was the hardest that's because you didn't have to edit it dude <laughs> <laughs> No, I say that jokingly. I actually had an absolute blast editing that episode. It was a lot of fun. Uh, kind of starting over from scratch and, and kind of relearning how to edit a Star Wars show, so it was fun. Well, you know, and, and up until then, we, we, you know, we'd been talking about this show, but it was still an unknown quantity till you know, we actually sat down and recorded it. And I'm very happy with how this show's going. I'm yeah, absolutely. The future. 
I mean, I I think we were really clicking. So yeah, I think this is going to be a lot of fun. And uh, I wanted I to like say the, I like how you click now as opposed to the old days. How would <laughs> with clunky it was like a constant droning click from your headphones? <laughs> well, I just wanted to say right out of the gate, uh, thank you to everybody for the awesome, awesome feedback on Facebook because uh, the Facebook group lit up when that first episode hit, and we got some really, really nice comments, and I appreciated it very much because I wasn't exactly sure, you know, what everybody would think. I, I was pretty confident after we actually finished the recording, but up until doing the recording. I was kind of like, how's this going to go over? Because people were really attached to Star Wars Monthly Monday. I didn't know how they would embrace, you know, the format change and all that. But people seem to really like it. Um, As of right now, as we sit down to do this recording, there's only one email feedback. And I want to read that one because it's really epic. But just one so far. So, guys, uh, get those uh, postcards and letters coming in. We need some more feedback for the show to, to actually read here. Uh, But this one here is simply entitled Growing Up Star Wars Number One Feedback. It says, hey guys, I love the idea and the execution of this podcast. Although my primary geek loyalty has been to uh, that other star franchise for most of my life, and although I have uh, recently become a very enthusiastic fan of Doctor Who, you better believe I've never forgotten my first nerd love was Star Wars. I don't know much about the EU. I still struggle to appreciate the prequel trilogy, but I always have a soft spot for that galaxy far, far away. Your podcast made me feel like I was six years old again, playing with my Kenner action figures, listening to my vinyl... That's what that means. (laughs) My vinyl 2LP original soundtrack album and dreaming up new adventures for Luke, Han, Leia, and the droids. I'll admit something to you guys because I don't think you'll laugh at me for it. Well, not Uh-oh. too much. <laughs> as a kid, Pressure's on. <laughs> as a kid, I I'll thought not to. that if I somehow died, at least I'd be able to leave heaven uh, whenever I wanted and slip into movie theaters as a spirit to see Star Wars whenever I wanted. I mean, sure, living in the eternal presence of God would be great and all, but come on, unlimited screenings of Star Wars. Surely Uh, Jesus would understand. (laughs) I'd hope he'd be there. Oh, that's awesome. Maybe we should all, when we're all dead, have a couple of meetups. I like this idea. Yeah. We could, yeah, we what we gotta do is we gotta hook up with some, you know, somebody who does seances, and they can do like seance dinner for geeks, two thousand thirty six yeah. or something like that, you know. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Of course, two thousand thirty six. That's not. You got us being old. dead in our yeah. sixties. Uh-huh, so, okay, yeah. two thousand fifty. That sounds better anyway. <laughs> sounds uh, says you've discussed your uh, clearest memory of Star Wars original theatrical run. My memory is of my grandmother taking me to see it for the, uh, my second viewing, her first. She was in her upper 60s at the time, but she was still willing to take me, not because she wanted to see it, but because she knew I did and because she loved me. I thought he was she just because she thought Alec Guinness was hot. <laughs> <laughs> she did inform me that uh, she'd be turning off her hearing aid and planned to take a nap. But if there was any scene I wanted to make sure she saw, uh, wake her up when it came. So I did. It was that quick moment of the mouse droid running away from Chewie. Of all the scenes in Star Wars, I don't know why that one was my favorite, but it was. She dutifully woke up, smiled and nodded, then dozed back off. (laughs) I didn't and still don't care. Uh, She still rates as a way cool grandmother in my book for taking me at all. 
I'm envious that you guys have so much of your vintage merchandise. I sold most of mine in a family garage sale sometime post-Jedi, but I clearly remember laying out all the trading cards you discussed on my bedroom carpet to make the picture of Darth Vader. Mm -hmm. Uh, I never had, and before your podcast, had never heard of the um, unusual shot of C-3PO on card 207, (laughs) but I will always... uh, Unhugual, you should say. (laughs) 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 <laughs> but I was always fascinated uh, by a photo in the Star Wars storybook where, as the group is sitting in Ben's house, one of Anthony Daniels' ungloved hands is clearly visible. Yep, I remember that. I remember that very well. Uh, I didn't ever know what to make of that, but it sure struck me as weird. Yeah, whoever the oh, editor creepy. was on that book, uh, that's epic fail right there. Is that is that legit? It is legit, Yeah. Yeah, I remember that as a kid. I remember, I think Chris and I, I want to say we discovered it together one day. We were like flipping through the storybook and like, oh my God, look, his hand's poking out. Yeah, that is legit. Yeah, it was probably Uh, a picture from, it was probably a, you know, a production picture rather than a a movie picture. All right, Scott Reif, and you sound doubtful, so I'm going to reach over my shelf. (laughs) Here we go. Star I just, oh yeah, story. I got a copy of it here I, too. Yeah. I think I've investigated this before. Hang on a second, let me go get mine. <laughs> uh oh, this is now great because we got started. all our shit right in the. Yep. All right. The pages are not numbered. My copy that I bought through, I bought it in class. I checked off my little Scholastic. Thing. I still have my original copy. <laughs> okay, so it can't be the story of Star Wars because I'm looking yeah. at the stories. Oh, is it? Oh, you know what? I'm looking at the Star Wars storybook. He said, "Did he say the story of Star Wars?" Oh, that's the, yeah. the record. Oh, wait, I got that right over here. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm looking at the Star Wars storybook, and it's not in there. But I know the picture he's talking about exists. So, what book is it in? All right, I'm pulling. I got the story of Star Wars right here. To I love okay. this live detective work on the air. <laughs> okay, flipping through it. Ah. All right, you missed. Did it you does have not have that picture in the story of Star Wars picture okay. book? I had, I had to run to the business wing of the house. Sorry about that. <sighs> it's right, not so in my Star this... Wars storybook. I, I'm very yeah. confused right now. I am too. Uh-huh. I know that I'm exact the... picture. Tell, I know, yeah, exactly I know the picture what he's, he's talking, talking about. about. Yeah, I do too. And the reason I was skeptical was because some months someone else mentioned that to me, and I said, "Wait, what?" And I looked it up, and it wasn't there. Alright, now I've gotta I've gotta do some research because I know I know that I have I know the exact picture he's talking about. I've seen it. I know the one he's talking about. So let's see here. I have a different ah this I one doesn't have, have it either. Copy too. I'm getting my red. <laughs> yeah, I have, have to get the anniversary copy. Hmm? Do I have to get my paperback copy now? I'm wondering if maybe they corrected it in later editions. Maybe where I, I just, have I just yeah. hit up my paperback copy. And that one yeah. had the correct picture yeah. in it. All right. See, oh, I, no, the other same picture have, in my hardcover. Yeah, see, I have the hardcover, and then I have the the um, the 10th anniversary movie Star Wars uh, movie storybook trilogy, the the anniversary edition. I'm thinking that the hardcover may be a reprint. You know, like maybe they corrected it. But I'm telling you, I know what he's talking about because I've seen that picture. I remember as kids... Right. discovering that picture and thinking, whoa, that's pretty shoddy. There's his hand sticking out. So he's not crazy. Maybe it's just not the story. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's not the storybook. I'm not sure. But I know I've seen that picture. I know what he's talking about. 
Anyway, he says here, uh, I didn't ever know what to make of it, uh, but it sure struck me as weird. Oh, here is my favorite. It's weird, too, because it's not there. (laughs) Here was my favorite part of this email. George Lucas has a time machine, and he scrubbed it. (laughs) Special edition? Yes, I've got a special edition of the Star Wars storybook. That explains it all. (laughs) He says, as always, I appreciate the production values you put into your podcast. The sound editing was great, especially the use of the cantina band music and timing the musical sting to correspond with one of Chris's no shouts. Funny stuff. I also really love the comparison of Star Wars to a magic trick. Judging uh, from some of what came later, I don't think even George Lucas quite knows how he did it. But he did, and for that, he deserves every accolade he gets. I found it! You found it? I found it! Where is it? It's late. Late in the book, where it shouldn't be. Oh, okay. Where Everybody's going back for their books. Yep. Yeah. Back to the books. Quick. They they substituted a... a, uh, where Ben is supposed to be yes. training Luke with the lightsaber. See? Yes. They substituted it with a shot from the hovel where his hand is sitting there. What I'm thinking this is, I'm thinking this is an on-set photo, although that wouldn't make sense because the lightsaber is clearly rotoscoped. No, no, no. They they, they animated all that. I mean, they, they drew all that stuff in for the for the publicity shots. I gotcha. Yeah, that's it's airbrush. Just, it's oh, all set still photography. Yeah. This is an on-set shot. Yeah, you wouldn't have seen any of this because the frame would be above his waistline. So and you would Ben see... would have been like jumping backwards too if that was what was going on. <laughs> I think it looks like it looks like Alec Guinness is. It looks like Luke and Alec Guinness have been airbrushed. As as a Photoshop person, uh, if if I saw this, I would have said Luke and Ben have been cut cut and pasted onto right. this picture around around like the edge of Mark Hamill's hair. It's a little too cut you know so i think this picture has been like there was they it was a picture of just anthony daniels sitting there and they and they plopped those two down into it well not just that but look at luke's leg on the right hand side yeah there's a line yeah there's a white line going up his leg that is Is that the power supply for the lightsaber (laughs) just look 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 at luke's sleeve there is a wire coming out of luke's sleeve up to the hilt of the lightsaber Am I crazy, or am I it seeing could, what I think? No, it could it could very no, well be. No, it does look like a little light. Yeah, it does look like a little wire. I think that's the the power cord for the lightsaber. <laughs> for what? Wow, that is some shoddy <laughs> editorship right there, man. You got Anthony Daniels sitting there looking like the Tin Man because he's just wearing like it looks like a, a piece of like a stovepipe on the top of his legs, and then like jeans right. or something underneath. Right. And then yeah, his he's hands just got, are out. He's probably just got like black le- the black leggings that they had. Yeah. underneath it. Yeah, yeah. Because see, you wouldn't the, the shot, the frame of the shot would be above his waistline, so you'd mm. never see that. Wow, I wish these pages were numbered so we could tell folks. But essentially, if you go past. What's the it's, scene? It's, the it's, scene well, before this is right after they blow up uh, Alderaan, and then they're on the Falcon. So yeah, the picture's just out of order. It's, it's yeah. just yeah, it's just before the picture of the Millennium Falcon being pulled in by the tractor beam. That's hysterical. See, I knew I wasn't I'm crazy. Glad you found that. Okay, I'm glad you if found you that. Use, if you call the title page number one, it's page thirty-two. Uh, I gotcha. Okay. So go from the title page where it says the Star Wars storybook. It's page thirty-two. Wow. Yeah, there's so much messed up with that picture. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of fail in it. And and Obi-Wan's looking at him like, get that damn thing away from my heart. Easy. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. So what are you trying to do? Make me disappear? <laughs> this email concludes with looking forward to listening to more, uh, many more podcasts and reliving some great Star Wars memories through them. And this is from Mike Petit, Biblio Mike. Ah. Abertown, PA. And he says, P.S. He says, Chris, did you say you lived in a solar-powered house in the 70s? How awesome. I wish all of us uh, had been keeping up with your family back then. Uh, he it did was... Indeed. It was not a sol- It was not strictly a solar-powered house. It was uh, technically it was passive solar because we didn't have any solar panels on the house. Because at that time, I think at that time my dad had bought one solar panel before we lived at that house, and it was so god awful expensive that it right. was something he had as an example for his story. You know what's funny is that brings all that uh, that whole thing with my dad's like alternate energy store in the '70s got brought back with that picture of you at Kennedy Space Center. Mm-hmm. And it had that that wallpaper with the moon and the Earth rising above it that Earth he had rise. back yeah, at that's the, the store. Name of the picture. Earth rise, yeah. Yeah, and it was in, and he had that gigantic, you know, mural wallpaper that. in the back of his store. That yeah. Well, your dad had a lot of little toys and gadgets and shit in that mm-hmm. store that were solar powered. I yeah, remember that. Yeah, spinning light cool like light was. bulbs with spinning filaments inside and stuff yeah. like that. And I always uh, thought that was neat. Yep, but it was a passive house. It, it 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 took in like sunlight and stuff by being faced south. But you know, in, in the winter we had a wood stove to keep us warm. <laughs> Is it one of those things where it was telling the sun, "No, I don't really want anything," and it kept taking the energy from it? It was like a like a passive aggressive solar house. Yes, it was. A, it was a passive aggressive solar house. <laughs> you know, it would be nice if you showed yeah. at me and warmed me up. But you know, hey. You're the sun. You do what you want. You know. To hell with you. Wouldn't really hurt you any to shine on me at all, but. <laughs> well, I think you don't the other have reason. To. The other reason your dad didn't invest in solar panels is it was upstate New York. You know, I mean, how much yeah. solar do you really get? So. <laughs> right, right, and we were in the in the woods too. So right. <laughs> there was that aspect of it too. Yeah, but if you yeah, have I like could, a like I a could... snow powered house, then you'd be you'd be all set. Oh, you know? yeah, snow powered house. Power for life. Yeah. North Country would be one of the most powerful spots on earth. <laughs> Literally, where Scott and I grew up, we, there was an army base, and they used to do training there in case anybody we had to like go into Siberia or something. <laughs> that was where they trained for that. Tenth Mountain. So, yep. yep. So there you go. <laughs> but that's all I got for the opener on this. What did you guys have, or did you want to get straight into show and tell? Oh yeah, I let's just whip it I out, just, man. So I was gonna say the only ah! thing I gotta say about. <laughs> excuse me. The only thing I've got to say is the first episode came out right right before we recorded this thing, and so even though we recorded it well in advance, it feels like it feels like it's been no time since we did an episode. Right. So I'm I'm just cool. I'm just kind of riding on the high of the first episode still. Me too. And I guess I'll say to Mike Poteet, if you ever wanna, I've been dying to do a show with Mike. I miss having Mike Poteet on the show. He's a great guest and. I'm just Gravitas. glad that Mike's still listening because, yeah. you know, ever since the forum went away, I almost felt like we kind of lost track of Mike. So I was really hoping he was still out there. So thanks. Thanks for writing in, Mike, because, uh, yeah, Mike, I mean, let's you've do a been show one of our on... longest time listeners. And, and I was starting to fear there for a while that you, you might have dropped off. So I'm, I'm glad that you wrote in. Keep writing in, buddy. Yeah, Appreciate we'll do a show on from... solar energy. <laughs> and when the when the first episode came out, I got a call from my fellow D4G compatriot Ryan Shaw, who is about as big an action figure geek as they make, and he just said, "I got to be on the show with you guys. I got to be." So I said, "All right, when we do action figures, I was gonna say, we'll drag you in." 
I would like to have Ryan on the show for a multitude of reasons, but probably the primary reason is just to piss off Paul Spataro. So, yeah, that's got to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan stood them up overhead uh, back to the bin, so now I want to have him over here. <laughs> I think that'd be great. Yeah, I'd like to, yeah. I'd just like to pick his brain about some of his uh, action figure stuff. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot that he totally refused to do back to the bins. <laughs> totally refused. <laughs> and all of a sudden, he's begging to be on this one. So That would be great. You tell Sorry, him any Paul. time. You also tell him that the next time, I mean, this goes for all the guys on your show, by the way, the next time I find out one of them clowns has been down here to Disney and hasn't gotten in touch with me about getting together, even just to shake hands for a minute, you, you tell him that, that that's it. Yeah, you dinner for geek it's clowns. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will tell you that Ryan was planning on going down this month, but he's canceled the plan. So, Aww. yeah, just got too busy. Busy schmizzy. Tell him to come on down. I'm with you. I'll Lots. be there in December. All right. And I have I have a special project that may be happening that that Friday. Ooh. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. All right. I'm taking place. You should be. This is this is this is on the high end of the awesome scale. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it on the podcast because I just I don't want to get enough, on the back yet. There's already enough awesome here anyway. We don't want to like <laughs> overload it. That's true. All right. We showing and telling? Yes. You want to go first? Me? Go. I will go. Uh, and I brought two things today, but they're interrelated, so I think it's okay. I brought my original first printing, never been opened in the history of mankind copy of Heir to the Empire. Hmm. When I saw it first solicited in previews, because it was, you know, one of the things I would always do in previews, one of the first things I would do, I mean, the comics are great, but I always flip back to the purple section, the book section, and see what's coming up in books. And to see that there was a Star Wars novel coming out was a holy cow moment. And to see that it was a special price of $15, as the first printing was, which was low for hardcovers back in the day, even these little slightly smaller hardcovers were $18. Uh, I I ordered one at my local comic shop, not remembering that I would not be in Tallahassee, where my local comic shop was, when the book came out in May. So I was back home when it came out, and of course I wasn't waiting to get a copy, so I went and bought one. When I got back from summer vacation, this book was waiting on me. So I already had a copy and had read a copy of Heir to the Empire, and I said, well, I'm not going to let that go to waste. So I picked it up. There was a store nearby that sold those vinyl outer coverings like you have at the library, and... I took it and immediately slid the dust jacket off, put the vinyl covering on, left the band. You know, there's a special little gold coppery band that goes across it that says, the saga continues. The Hyman. Special introductory price. Yeah, it's got a Hyman. And it's got a, it's got a Hyman on it? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the technical term of that, that, what that is. What's, what's that? The Hyman, right? It's <laughs> like little seals it shut. You know it's pure <laughs> while it's intact. <laughs> okay. Move along. That's always what I Move thought along. about it. As oh, please okay. disperse. <laughs> so anyway, it is uh, it is it is perfect, perfect, perfect. And you know, I have a copy I read, and I have a paperback, and I have an audio, and I have the anniversary edition. So this one is perfect. When it came Unsullied, time for the second, unsoiled. yeah. When it came time for the second book, it's getting ready to come out, and we had just finished a unit in a journalism class I was taking where we learned how to do book reviews. And our project was our teacher had a friend who was the book editor at the Tampa Tribune, a guy named Chauncey Mabe. And our job was to go to a publishing company, tell them we wanted to write a review of a book, get the book, read it, review it, write the review, send it to the editor. And that's what we got graded on. 
So I had done this now. I had been through this process, and I knew this new Star Wars book was coming out. So I thought, let me see if I can get it in advance by calling them and telling them I'm going to write a review of it. So I called them. I told them I'm a freelance writer. I'm going to write a review for the Tampa Tribune. Didn't mean they were going to publish it, but I was going to write it. And if they'd send me a copy of it, that's what I would do. And they, two days later, showed up on my doorstep, UPS, my free copy of Dark Force Rising. And I wrote the review. I mailed it off. It got rejected. And everybody's happy. Wow. <laughs> I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. Well, I found out. You know, Did you keep doing that? Itself, I, would have, I would have been like hooked I, on that. I would have been like free books. You know, if they had published it, I probably would have. I got, I, I will tell you the truth. You could have just it, taken, like, you could have just fired off, like, the worst, you, you could have just scribbled, like, lines on paper and <laughs> sent it in. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the, uh, the first time, when it was time for my project, I called Bantam, thinking, well, maybe, because it was, it was probably four or five months before the Star Wars thing came out, I thought, well, maybe they'll have a galley proof of it, something they'll send to me. And I, But I didn't want to say, I want the Star Wars book. I said, well, I'm doing this for class, I want to send it off to... They, you know, we're having to write a book, blah, blah, blah. Do you have anything that's in the galley proof stage? And they said, well, what do you want? I said, well, I, I really like science fiction. Do you have anything that's like science fiction in the galley proof stage? And I said, yes, we'll send you something. And I got this weird book by a first time novelist that was some weird allegory for AIDS and just, yeah, but space AIDS, an skits. allegory. Yeah, it was. It was, it was, uh, it was a little better than the space herpes. What was that? Uh, 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 what? Space herpy. That's disgusting! How long have you known about this? First we've heard days. of it. First couple of days. From, was that Ice Pirates, right? Ice Pirates. Ice uh, Pirates, yeah. yes. And, uh, but yeah, it was, it was not a particularly great novel, and I understand why that guy didn't write a lot more novels after that. But uh, so that I had done that. And then a few months later, when I knew we were very close to the release, I said, well, let me give it another shot and see what happens. So I specifically asked for that book and they sent it to me. You lucky bastard. <laughs> I, you know what I find is that if you ask for something, yes. the worst thing that can happen is somebody tells you no. Yep, this is true. This is true. You said you had two things? Well, it was Heir to the Empire and Dark Force Rising. I two gotcha. Things. Okay. Uh, go ahead, Chris. Okay. Well, mine's going to be, i got to pick it up here, so there's going to actually be a little noise. It's about the size of a board game. It looks like a board game, like a thin board game box. And I know, Scott, you had a lot of, you and I both had a lot of these, but we had the, the crummy versions. This <laughs> is a more deluxe version. It has a picture of a little kid on the front of it that could be me if you put Coke bottle glasses on him. <laughs> the shirt, the haircut, the whole thing. But I've got the Presto Magic Star Wars oh. Return of the Jedi Jabba the Hutt Throne Room Super Transfer Set. Yes. Which oh, man. Is basically, I had a ton of the Empire ones. Yeah. It's basically, it's like a board game. It's a board game, you know, block that folds out to Jabba's Palace and then a whole bunch of on little pieces of thin, thin plastic Presto Magics, which... For our younger viewers, they were these little thin listeners. I'm we have listeners. listeners. If, viewers, if we have I viewers, they're going well, to I'm viewing right now, so so I'm thinking of looking <laughs> at stuff. But I'm trying to think. What are they? Letra set letters? Maybe people remember those. They were little thin, clear pieces of plastic with a, a picture or usually a, a font on it, 
and you could, they were rub ons. Yeah, and you could rub them onto a piece of paper. And, As opposed uh, to rub ons, which is something entirely different. Right. Yeah. Well, Presto Magic rub offs were a different thing, and yeah, we weren't allowed to buy those when those came out. <laughs> and uh, they came so in the centerfold of Hustler magazine. And. Now that and I always wanted these big sets because the, the ones that Scott and I could afford were they basically came in a little plastic baggie and yes, they would have a little fold out piece of cardboard mm-hmm. and those yep. made more sense because this thing's like a board game you can only put these things on once these, once yeah, yeah they're <laughs> That's, not, I was wondering yeah they're How's not like one? um oh what 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 were the thing the little plastic things that you, color forms color forms they're not like color forms where yeah. where you could you know, pull them off and put them back on. Once you stuck these things to it, you were pretty committed to it. What I like is it has Admiral Akbar in there too. So you could actually <laughs> stick Admiral Akbar into a uh, Jabba's palace. There's a nice little, uh, little fold out, you know, of all the other Presto magics. You I can get this see DTE. Jabba dipping Admiral Akbar into some cocktail sauce and <laughs> into some warm <laughs> butter it. and just like crunch. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so I mean, this is it's this is quite a weird thing because you would use it once, and then I guess you would just set it up and display it. I guess would be the only thing you could do after that. <laughs> yeah, but, Admiral Ibar came out the other end of Java. He'd go, "It's his crap." <laughs> <laughs> that's disgusting. Oh, you know that's why they didn't show the back end of of that. You know that <laughs> that end of that was on. Palace. Yeah. yeah. All the people bat. That's why it was over a grate, too. Exactly. <laughs> That's why the Rancor was so people pissed with, off. People with hoses behind him. <laughs> That's nasty. Yeah. Thank you. What else you got? That's all I got. That, That's all I got, the, the Presto Magics. I got two quick things here. Uh, first off, and this this just I just heard about this today. I, I thought that this would interest uh, Scott. So that's why I was going to bring this one. So, uh, and also because there's no way in the world that I will remember this come the next time it's time, you know, ready to sit down and record uh, the next episode of Earning My Ears. I thought I'd go ahead and throw it out there now. But I just heard about this today. It was an email that I got at work that says, uh, new character uh, options available for guest profiles. This is for my Disney experience. It says guests uh, now have five new Star Wars options available to choose from uh, for the character uh, characters associated with their or the character rather associated with their My Disney Experience profile: C three PO, Darth Vader, R two D two, Stormtrooper, and Yoda. Guess me right now. <laughs> See, that's just, that's what I said too. I want to go in and change it. The only problem is I can't remember my password. But as soon as I can, I'm going to go in and I'm going to change it. But yeah, I thought that was really cool. You can actually go in now and you can change your My Disney Experience profile to a Star Wars character. So I thought that that was really cool. As, as it should be, they should be integrating those characters as much as possible. Absolutely, into the Disney Experience. It, it's funny because I've heard a lot of people. You know, there's been a lot of talk about diversity in Star Wars lately. I don't know if you've <laughs> noticed that or not. Mm-hmm. And and one of the things that I've heard is a lot of people who are upset that, that they're not, they haven't been fully integrating Leia as a Disney princess. And I think there's a reason for that. Why is that? The reason for it is they've already picked a Disney princess out of Star Wars, and it's Darth Vader. <laughs> that works Darth, for me. He's the one who's riding the carousel and right. swapping hugs with the stormtroopers and eating ice cream bars. And right. uh, everything that happens that's cutesy with Star Wars now happens around Darth Vader. He is the newest Disney princess. Well, also, he... 
you know, he, he's, uh, you know, other than the droids, he's kind of the only ageless one, too, because, you know, of course, it's a mask. So he, he's... What? You know what I mean? He's never really going to change. He's never really going to age. So I, I think that he's a great character to be kind of the the face for Star Wars, if you know what I mean. Other Princess than... Annie? <laughs> no. <laughs> no! Um, <laughs> yeah. And I don't even know what to say to that. Sorry. <laughs> But the actual Not physical sorry. thing that I brought to this uh, episode, and, and uh, this is a, a shout-out that is uh, well overdue at this point, is our good buddy from across the pond, Andy Leyland, sent Scott and I a package. This was quite some time ago. I mean, it was sent by, I don't know, Swimmer, I think, because it took forever to get here. But it did finally make it here, much to Andy's relief. And this is a nice big old stack of more copies of Star Wars Weekly, because Scott and I are both uh, trying to collect this, uh, this series now. So what I did to be fair, Scott has a larger collection of these books than I do, so he gets first pick of these, and he's getting all the ones that he didn't previously have. So we have a stack here. We got Star Wars Weekly number three. This is the one with the classic cover. Swing that lightsaber, Ben, or we're finished. Finished. Love it. You know what's really funny about this, though, is the cover of this, the way that it's colored, seriously looks like a kid sat down with a box of markers and colored the cover. (laughs) I had to actually double check it to make sure that someone hadn't written on it in in markers. (laughs) But it really does. When you get it in your hand, you're going to see exactly what I'm talking about. It really does look like it's been defaced with markers. But no, it turns out these are actually the natural colors of the cover. It's completely different from the American version, but uh, very interesting. Ah. Uh, Star Wars Weekly number six. This is the cover, which I think is the cover to number three of the American version. I think it's the one with... That's where they're uh, shooting down the detention block. Yes, that's the one. Yeah. Yep. And this one also is recolored. Not quite as markery looking, but it is recolored. Uh, Star Wars Weekly number eight. This one is a completely original, uh, you know, original to the UK uh, audience cover yes. on this. I don't know I who the those. artist is on this. It kind of looks like maybe Dizaniga inked it. But what's really weird is you've got Vader looking very proto Vader. He's locked in combat with Darth, with uh, yeah, with Darth Vader, with Ben Kenobi that looks more like Gandalf the Grey. You've got R2 and 3PO in the background looking very wonky. Then you have Chewie. You have. Luke, maybe? I think it's actually Han, but he's colored with yellow hair, you know, with blonde hair. And then you have, I don't know who this is, Quicksilver? I don't know, some dude with white hair. I have (laughs) no idea who this guy is. I think it's supposed to be Han and Luke. And like I say, I think Han's just, his hair is miscolored, but whoever this white-haired guy is, I have no idea. I think it's supposed to be Luke, but it really does look funny, because you just look at it and go... Okay, I recognize everybody except uh, who's this guy. And then uh, Chewie looks like a literally looks like a cross between Sasquatch and the Hulk because he's actually kind of greenish tinted. It's really a strange cover on that one. Uh, number nine, again an original cover on this. This these all these issues so far are adapting the movie. They they took a lot longer time to adapt the movie in the in the UK format cover on this one i don't even know how to describe it you just have to see the cover on this it's very cool and Ah. it has uh infantino style tie fighters on it too which is really cool where the cockpit is much larger than the wings which is just weird for a tie fighter number 10 which i think 
No, I'm wrong. I was going to say, I think this is the beginning of the uh, 8 for Aduba 3 story, but no, it is not. They are still only about halfway through the movie adaptation in this one. So they are neither beyond the movie nor beyond the galaxy. Right, yeah, not yet. <laughs> Great cover, though. I think this one's a Dizaniga again. I'm not sure, but it looks really cool. And again, an original cover to the UK audience. Number 12. I think this is the final issue of the adaptation i think i'm going to check that real quick just to be sure of my facts here it looks like it is what is this backup feature in here that's really pretty art hmm. i don't know tales of the galaxy it says now the the cover to 12 i'm looking at it now is by uh howard is it howard bender i think so yeah he's the guy who did the toning for a lot of these things yeah i remember right that's a great cover it's luke and vader locked in lightsaber combat really really awesome never happens in the movie really cool though at last, the soul-shattering climax of one of the year's most sensational, or of the year's most sensational movie. It says, Luke Skywalker versus Darth Vader, the final battle. <laughs> and then you've got sort of. number 13, a really strange cover of uh, C-3PO looking like he's he's waving his hand. He's going, hey, here, come in and meet my friends. It's really a bizarre cover. He's got a big smile on his face. You've got little inset pictures of Luke, Leia, Han, Chewie, Ben Kenobi, who's dead, and Darth Vader. And again, very Infantino TIE fighters with the cockpit. Way too big. But it's cool. Again, this is another original one. Hey, you and know a what? band across a... the top. The band across the top that says, new Star Wars story, new Star Wars. <laughs> Free inside, full color Star Wars mini. Ooh, you might not be getting this one after all. Let's see what the mini poster <laughs> is. Let's see. Oh, Okay. It's actually a full-color mini-poster, but it's not comic art. It's actually it's that classic picture where you're looking in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon as they're seeing the, the Death Star and going, you know, something about the small moon. So Interesting. Very interesting. This was not everything that was in the stack, of course. So you're getting, you got first pick. You got all the, the ones that you hadn't got before. I got your wow. cast-offs. I got. That's not the first time, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Most of my collection is your cast, your doubles, actually. <laughs> um, so I got Star Wars Weekly number five. Now, this, if I if I had to pick an issue out of here that I would have wanted, it would have been this one because this is a great Tony Dizaniga cover of the Falcon being drawn into the Death Star. And I always like this cover because I remember one of the earliest issues, might even be issue one, I'm not sure, but one of the issue, earliest issues of Back Issue Magazine I ever got had the original pencil art of this one reprinted in the magazine and a note from the editor saying, if anybody can identify where this this uh, art is from, please write in and let us know. It turns out it's the cover to this, this UK uh, of Star Wars. And let's see, number 11. Get out and push to get the Falcon in that docking bay, though. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, get the pig grease. Yeah, it's not going to fit. <laughs> Star Wars Weekly number 11, another great uh, cover Darth Vader you've got. All right, here's the weird thing is it looks like Darth Vader is watching television, and there's an X-Wing on the television that's firing its torpedoes, yet the torpedoes are coming through the television screen and blowing up some of his stormtroopers. It's a really bizarre cover. Number 34, which this must adapt that awesome Herb Trimpey story of Luke having a flashback to his early days on... Yes, it is. This is actually part two of that story, it looks like. Or maybe they even broke it up into more parts than two. I'm not sure, but great cover. Again, original to this particular series. And although it has nothing to do with Star Wars, I just got to brag about this because Andy is awesome. Here's how awesome Andy is. He sent me two copies 
of the UK version of Marvel's Planet of the Apes series. I have number two and number eight. And I now I'm hooked. I'm gonna have to collect these two. And there's many yes. more of these than there are Star Wars. I do believe. So really, I I think I could be wrong about that, but I know it went on for a long time. As a matter of fact, it ran so long that after a time, uh, the apes started sharing the the book with other features. So you had um, apes and Dracula, you know, like from Tomb of Dracula. And eventually, at the very end, it was Planet of the Apes and the Hulk. I and thought like, you were going to say Howard the Duck. <laughs> that would have been interesting, too. But, yeah, it's really strange. You know, it almost looked like a team-up book, like Hulk on the Planet of the Apes, which would be kind of cool, I guess. But, yeah, really strange you, covers. I thought you were going to say it went on so long that apes were just ready to end it. Like, ape, <laughs> please kill ape. So the apes actually evolved back into humans. <laughs> but that's what I brought for show and tell. All right. I love it, especially since I'm getting half of it. <laughs> yeah, right. Eventually, I want to I want to scan <laughs> some portions of them first, but you will. Get... Ah. He wants to touch them and cuddle them a little bit before he sends them off. And roll on the floor naked in them, and then he can have them. <laughs> oh, put a put a scent on them, and <laughs> there you go. These books smell yeah. funny. <laughs> well, you know it's England. They, you know, it yeah, you funny. know they have weird food <laughs> over there. It smells up all their comics. <laughs> It does sort of smell like old cabbage and ham. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's move on to bigger and better things. All right. <laughs> so is it time now for the Journal of the Wills? It is. Ah. So you want to let the kind folks know what this section's all about this time around? At the behest of Scott Gardner, <laughs> we have decided to go through the original Star Wars score LP and pick our top three favorite tracks out of that uh, out of that two record set mm-hmm. on 20th Century Fox Records. Now, for all you youngins, you may not realize hey. that you know way back when, before CDs and digital downloads and all that, that there you know there was an original Star Wars soundtrack release that, as Scott said, was it was two LPs, two records, and greatly different than the you know the special edition soundtrack that you can buy these days. That's two discs and pretty oh, yeah. much all of the music that's in the movie. This original release was awesome. I mean, we listened to them. I mean, I would listen to my tape so much that I wore it out. Mm-hmm. But there was a lot of music that didn't make it onto the original albums. But you know, as abbreviated as it was, we loved it. Mm-hmm. So I just thought this might be a fun one for this time around. I didn't even think yeah. of it being abbreviated in those days. I was like, well, it's a dump no. album. It was like super size. Mm-hmm. There were there were some things that I knew weren't there after mm-hmm. I saw the movie several times. One, I knew there was another Cantina tune. Right. I knew that when the X-Wings left to go to their battle, yes. it was a different tune that was never on the record. Of all uh, the ones that were not on the original album, that was probably the one I wanted the most was when the X-Wings lifted off from Yavin. I always see, thought I, that was really cool. I always looked at that as like one of the great reasons that what, what I, I always like when I would go see the movie multiple times, I loved those moments. Because yep. I memorized the soundtrack instantly. So as soon as something that wasn't on the soundtrack wasn't on, all of a sudden it would take on a whole new... Uh, level to it where you're just like ooh different you know music I don't hear all the time yeah. those were the parts I was waiting for all the different music cues that weren't on the record yeah 
I remember in the in the mid to late eighties, um, in the summertime, a lot of times I'd go down and spend like a long weekend with uh, my cousin Michelle and her mom, and we would always rent the same movies from the local video store. We rented three movies, and we rented uh, Tron, Terminator, and The Empire Strikes Back. And I think one of the reasons that we kept watching Empire over and over and over again every time we would get together was just because there were all those great cues that were in the movie that weren't on the albums. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, more obvious, it was more obvious in Empire, Yeah, really, than in Star Wars. Yeah, I think so, too. Well, I'll go ahead and take the lead on this, if you guys don't mind. All right. Okay. So I'm going to do mine in kind of reverse order leading up to number one. And I kind of suspect that we, we may actually share uh, similar number ones in this one, I'm, I'm thinking. But That's we'll what I was thinking, too. So number three, the Imperial Attack. And the reason I really liked the Imperial Attack is that I always thought that that track alone really kind of represented the the feel of the album as a whole because you've got adventure, you've got some really soft, quiet parts, you've got kind of the, the big thrumming, kind of scary parts, all in one track that only runs a couple of minutes. And, and it's, sort of, it's, it's like a, a, a microcosm of the, of the entire score as a whole. I thought that was really great. I've always loved that track. I, I think that's one of the best ones on the album. It is a great track. I, I was misled by it for many years. It's only been, and I hate to say this because I feel like I'm a student of these films, but it's only been in recent months listening to the, uh, the Star Wars Oxygen podcast, which is phenomenal. Uh, the theme that they use in that. Da, 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 da. Okay, you know the one I'm mm-hmm. talking about? Yeah. Da, 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 da. That's the Rebels theme. Mm-hmm. I always, because it was the Imperial Attack, that was always, when I heard that, an Imperial tune. I got it you. never occurred to me that that was a Rebel theme, but it, apparently John Williams intended that to be the, the musical signature of the Rebellion. I can see that. Because isn't that the same the same basic motif he's playing when the Falcon's getting sucked into the Death yes. Star too? Yeah, yeah. But that could be Again. that could also mean the that could also mean the Imperials too. Because exactly. and 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 in the first part they're they're fighting with the Imperials, so it could it could go both ways. But it's yeah. you know I, I now it seems obvious that it's not an evil you know theme because compared to you know which is like okay that's the empire right there right but now it seems obvious it sounds almost heroic you know it's heroic Mm -hmm. and and rah rah but yeah i i i kind of thought the same thing Hmm. my number two this is the one where i felt like i was cheating a little bit but hopefully you guys will, will see where i'm going with this is the last battle Because it's all cheap. well, it's, it's that was almost, almost my number two. 
Actually, one entire also. side of, a, of an album. I mean, there's only two tracks that are yeah. on side four. We're not counting and by it's length. It's the though. last battle, which I think it runs over 12 minutes. It's not the length of the song, it's how much magic is in it. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Um, but, you know, that fourth side has the last battle, and then it has the, the throne room and end titles, which is one one track by itself. So it's yeah. it's a massive amount of music in, in one track. But I really like that one. And it's I, I've always liked that one because it's not one piece of the movie. It's like three or four different pieces of the movie because it starts out when uh, Han and Luke start firing... Uh, when they go to the detention block, and then it cuts to uh, when they're running away from the stormtroopers and everything, and they run. It goes right up until where they're about to make their run, trying to b- reboard the Falcon, and then it cuts to the uh, the la- you know the battle of the Death Star, which is well underway when the in the part that it cuts. Yeah, to. he put them it's, all together because it's all the fighting music, and it's yeah, all just fits. It, it does. It fits together perfectly. It does. It, it really does fit together yeah. very nicely. It makes a really good track. And then number one is The Princess Appears, which uh, I, I just, you know, come uh, on. That's quintessential Star Wars. It's it's where, you know, the, the holograms projected and then Luke, you know, leaves the garage, goes out, watch the, watches the sunset. Now, over time, because there's been multiple releases of the soundtrack, this uh, track has now become known as Binary Sunset. But to me, it will always be Princess Appears. I just, that's how I've always thought of that one. Uh, but I love that track. It's great. Just and a quintessential Star Wars. Apparently, uh, uh, Kevin Kiner agrees with you because he borrowed that. That was one of the many things he borrowed in the pilot episode of Rebels. Hmm. There's the a musical lot. signatures that was in there. Yeah, it's full of musical signatures in that. Yeah, I have not seen that yet. I, I've got to be very curious to to hear what hear what you think. I'm yeah. gonna have to try it out, but I, I'm I'm leery because I'm I, trying I not to talk in... about it because I know we have time constraints. <laughs> but well, I recently gave in to to peer pressure and and watched another recent premiere that everyone else is glowing about and walked wow. away going really. So I'm very hesitant to uh, to dive into Rebels, but I I you know I might have to give it a try. Quick on the boards, Scott Gardner hated. <laughs> Don't, don't, I'm going to edit that out. I swear to God, I'm not going to start. Oh, real quick. Let me just mention this real quick. Uh, You know, one that I thought for sure was going to make my list on this, because as a kid, I absolutely loved it. And I think it only exists on this cut of the soundtrack is the main theme because it goes, you know, of course, it's the beginning of the movie all the way through to just before the Imperial attack starts. Mm -hmm. And then it suddenly cuts and it goes to the end theme. I always loved that, and I remember there was a 45 of that, and I think it even made like the like the Billboard charts and stuff. It was very popular. Oh, at they the used to be on the radio all the time. I, yeah, I guess. re-listened to that in preparation for making this list, and man, you got if you haven't heard it recently, listen to it. It's a bad edit. A 
harsh. That... Yeah, it's, you know, now after having scored so many of these episodes and everything myself and learned how to blend music together and that you sort of thing. You should do a director's cut of it. Then. Yeah. Well, oh, it's horrible. Yeah, yeah but listen Scott, to it you, sometime. You're doing it with digital stuff. They're doing it with reels and razor blades. Yeah, yep. exactly. I mean, yep. that's when you yep. got to remember when I first got into radio, that's how we edited tape was. Oh, you God. Had a, a razor blade and a groove on the on the tape deck that you slid the razor blade through, and then you you had splicing tape that you put it together with, and that's how they did it. Yeah, and it sounds uh, too. It's a, <laughs> but you know, I'm about to walk out now. The podcast. Why? Not, because you're starting to take my list <laughs> and all my oh, good points. Oh, I was already. I I had I had mute on, and I was just like, God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> just shut up. You did your list. Yeah. I'm like, I don't want to curse him out during his list. I'll wait till afterwards, just before <laughs> his, my his list. His list is over. That's the problem. <clears throat> uh, oh, there's uh, one other track. <laughs> you can't name the whole album, Scott. <laughs> We've met, right? Go <laughs> <laughs> uh, ahead, right. Chris. You want me to do mine? All right. Yeah. For what it's worth. I'll cut but you both. Now. It's different. <laughs> it's it's different though. It's it is well, different. See, two two of his three are different from mine. Mine too, but but he got he nailed he actually nailed number three number three of mine is Imperial Attack. Now I I approached mine maybe a little differently because I approached mine as as a kid, yep. which were the ones that really like I I loved listening to the most. Which uh, meant I had to listen to the original you know two record soundtrack again because you know I know I, I I really liked you know the Cantina Band and stuff like that. But what really attracted me to the album was the the parts that that brought scenes in the movie to life. Yes. And yeah. Imperial Attack, I can I could see it play out, you know, yeah. in my head when I listened to that. So that was why and, and it's and then number two I had was the throne room. to the to the end theme because yeah. that also brought up really and and it's funny now that I think about it they're right at they're the bookends really mm-hmm. to it of of when the story starts and ends and this uh, is true. and then and the throne room's got that you know the what's become the iconic Star Wars musical you know going on and that yeah. has never failed to send chills up my spine no matter when you hear the bum bum that bum bum and you know the bam is coming so and number one is what I thought was maybe the most predictable is, is Ben's death and TIE fighter attack
and that I knew that was going to make your list. And that was uh, that's number one because that's the first thing I saw too mm-hmm. was that Gene Shalit <laughs> introducing oh, that yeah. scene, and uh, so you know that I mean that whenever that one came on, I uh, my ears always pricked up, and I was just like, oh yeah, and it's just it's got that great build in the beginning of it with the you know with the really um dun, 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 the really high-pitched you know tension building and then when it gets going it just it's just a shootout you know and i and every time i heard it i would be watching that scene in my head it was it was awesome nice so very very similar um i mean i mean throne room throne room was actually i i was going to have the the last battle in there and then decided throne room just and I, almost for the same reason this got is ah, last battle's too long <laughs> it, it, it's got everything in it but yeah it's because it's 12 minutes long so i picked throne room but it very well could have been the last battle all right oh, now are you gonna I'm, read the same list i'm defying did i get any of you. yours did i knock <laughs> off any of yours yeah yeah oh, you oh did. good yeah uh my number three is the main title one reason because it it encapsulates everything musically star wars is about i mean it runs the gamut now the the other interesting thing about it is scott you mentioned the 45 i had the 45 Mm -hmm. and that's all i had at first and it is not I i think the main title on the album is like five minutes 20 seconds the 45 version is significantly shorter really Uh, yeah it jumps almost immediately into the french horns Hmm. i mean almost immediately you know there's there's it's just it just jumps right to the back half after the intro basically i need to reacquire so, a copy of that then because i don't remember yeah. that and i had it at one time i still have it but my dad stepped on it <laughs> oh yeah and of course and the dad's excuse was he came in my room stepped on my record and then well, he shouldn't have been left laying on the floor so dad has uh, a point well other than it's my room but uh where's he buried now <laughs> But I do still have it. I don't know if I could make it. I don't know if I could make a recording out of it or not. But uh, I was thinking about mentally trying to reconstruct the edit for you at some point, just to kind of show you where it was. But it's it's a lot short. It's not a five minute piece. It's in the neighborhood of three three and a half minutes. Hmm. I know that and they got to have it on YouTube somewhere. I was just gonna say, yeah, it's got to be out there somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my brother, we were in Sears one day, and my brother, who now my brother is six years older than I am. And my brother spent a large part of childhood rubbing in the fact that he was six years older than I am. <laughs> and, of course, I am Star Wars crazy. Everything is Star Wars in my life. Everything has become Star Wars in my life. And we're in Sears one day, and my brother picks up that record. And, I, you know, it was two records set. Nobody has that kind of money, but my brother had a job because he was, you know, he was cutting yards and that kind of thing. And I was seven, and he was 13, so he was doing that kind of thing, and he had some money. And we go to Sears, and he picks up the soundtrack, and I'm like, you're, you're going to buy the soundtrack? To Star Wars? Uh, thinking about it. <laughs> for me? No, for me. What? What? Why? Why would you? You don't want that. I want it. You don't want it. Well, I do want it, and I'm gonna get it, and you're not gonna listen to it. <laughs> so my brother bought the Star Wars album, and then would not let me listen to it. Hence, a collector is born. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Several of those little things that happen through life, and uh, now you so have eventually... seventy copies of it. <laughs> 
And I go leave one in his driveway every week, just once a week, just leave it there to taunt him. No, but uh, so eventually, I, within a year, he got sick of it and gave it up, and I took it over. And when I got the LP and realized that main title cut was so much longer and had so much more in it, it really made oh, wait a minute, this is awesome, this is great. So that's my number three. Uh, number two is Ben's Death and TIE Fighter Attack. I can't, I can't not just love that chugging. Da, 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 da. It's just, it's, it's so staccato. It's so martial. It's so action-packed. It's got a lot of the good big themes. It's just got a lot of great action beats. You got to remember something else here is Chris. You know when you were talking about picking your list, you said I'm, I went back to my childhood. The things that resonated. Well, you know, I played to these things. Mm -hmm. So a lot of my selections are what did I like to play to the most. What were the best soundtrack for me and my action figures? And so that's why number one is The Last Battle. I did it. You guys didn't have the balls to do it. I, I just, did I it. burned my, my bedroom was a burned out husk. <laughs> <laughs> the last, I mean, The Last Battle had, if you were going to do action and you were going to just, if you were just going to do free play Star Wars for a long period of time, you just set that in there and let it go. And that was just awesome to me. Because that was, look, I didn't want to hear Princess Leia's theme. I didn't want to hear the slower stuff when I was playing Star Wars because it wasn't about being moody and sitting around and girls. It was about stuff blowing up, but people getting in fights. <laughs> and that's what the last battle is all about. Decapitations. Yes, I did decapitate my Leia figure. I <laughs> interrogated it. Head popped right off. So, yeah, so to me, the Even last battle... <laughs> So to me, the last battle is is everything I wanted to play Star Wars. You know, that's that's what I wanted to play Star Wars to in my bedroom. And it was the longest song, so it gave you more uninterrupted yeah, that's what, play. Yeah, exactly. So I could just set it up and let it go. Yeah, damn that's, kids these days, they got repeat on their iPods. <laughs> Not to mention shuffle. Yeah, right. <laughs> Hate them all. <laughs> well... Are we ready to get into the final segment? The meat. The meat. By the way, just so you know, Scott Gardner, I have now changed my character on my Disney experience to Darth Vader. <laughs> nice. Done. Is he on a carousel? No, he's Aww. not. And he's not eating a Mickey Pop, and he's not, eat, he's not wearing mouse ears. Aw. He is riding he is a pony not. and has a veil, though. I am actually wearing, <laughs> at the moment, I'm wearing my, my shirt, my Darth Vader shirt, where he's riding the carousel, and it says this will be a day long remembered. I love this shirt. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's cute on the one hand, but God, there's just so much of it now. I was, ah, sitting, I at, I was sitting at dinner last night. We went to Give a restaurant. Dignity. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I'm sitting at dinner last night, and this kid, this family sits at the table across from us, and this kid's got a shirt, and it's got a photo of Vader, and he's holding up a sign that says, Free Hugs. Uh, okay, I got. And, I see what you're saying. Yeah, when it comes to all the ones where he's like, you know, he's carrying the the ghetto blaster and he's walking uh, at at. And I, yeah, I'm I'm a little tired of those, but the Disney ones I love. I, I don't. Maybe that's hypocritical, but well, no. I mean, I I appreciated them more at first, but as time passes, I'm just getting a little sick of it because there's just so much of it now. At first, I thought that was great, and him and the stormtroopers taking Disneyland that in that uh, commercial. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I that's it how was great. That's how it always happens, and then it gets humped to death, you know. Then the people yes, are like, right. "Oh, they like that. That was that." People re respond to the, that. Let's do that over and over and over again. Yeah. And it's why I say Darth Vader is the newest Disney princess. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this was your idea, sir. You run with it. Oh me? Yes. That's you. Oh, okay. 
Uh, well, I just grabbed it off the sheet. Things we talked about from last time. Uh, books. <laughs> yeah, the, you've the been trapped, basically. Yeah. <laughs> you <laughs> were trapped. Well, no, what this is this is great though because I want you to think about this. The book and record sets. For those of you who don't know about these things, they, the first one didn't come out till 1979. But people don't quite understand Star Wars Mania just kind of started in '77. But Star Wars Mania just kept building and building and building and building. This didn't actually come out till '79. In fact, I, I, I looked it up doing a little show prep and. I found that they actually made the deal for this the same time they were actually pursuing the rights to do The Empire Strikes Back. No, and wait, I didn't no, wait, wait, wait. What what didn't come out until 79? The Star Wars book and record. The very first Star Wars book and record. Are you sure about that? Yeah. Because I would swear that Chris had... Because I remember Chris having the Story of Star Wars album. Because I was ah, so jealous because I never had a copy of that's, it. That's a different album and was originally released on 20th Century Records. Mm -hmm. Okay. This is, and and what I was going to say, the neatest thing about this to me is this is really the first Disney Star Wars product Mm -hmm. because the Star Wars book and record was done by Buena Vista. Right. So this is, I mean, when you you come all the way to the future and now, you know, Disney is the master of the domain of Star Wars. It really started with this book and record set, the first one. Which one are you talking about, though? The Star Wars book and record, the twenty-four it's, page. It's the little kids' version of Star Wars, basically. Yeah. Was oh, okay. So you're you're talking about the one with with three PO and R two on the cover, and then you got like the Death Star and the and the X wings yes. in the background. Okay. Yes. All right. The book, uh, the story of Star Wars was the LP that used the source material, obviously. Right. Yeah. Used the real actors, but the Star Wars book and record from Buena Vista, twenty-four pages. They did the whole movie. They did voice actors. They did production. And I'm going to tell you, I went back and re-listened to everything. It was yeah. It's like nine I'm minutes impressed. long, isn't it? The whole thing is like twelve minutes 12 long. Twelve minutes yeah. long. Yeah. C-3PO, the taller, human-like droid, said to his companion, "R2D2, the Imperial starship is getting closer. We'll be destroyed for sure. This is madness. We're doomed." <laughs> Within minutes, dozens of Imperial stormtroopers boarded the rebel craft, firing their laser rifles. The helpless rebel soldiers could only surrender. Through the hatch strode a black-cloaked, helmeted figure, Darth Vader, the fierce Imperial warrior. Commander, tear this ship apart until you found those plans. And it's, it's, it is impressive. To, to know that they had no budget and no real production materials on hand, that they put this thing together. First off, they boiled the entire Star Wars film down to about a thousand words of text. Hmm. And it had to be narrative and it had to be dialogue. So just to do that alone and tell a coherent story, thumbs up there. I'm sure that there's MP3s of these things out on the net somewhere or maybe like a YouTube or something. I'm going to have to find yeah. the one for oh, Star definitely. Wars and Empire because off the top of my head, I'm not sure I've ever heard these. Oh. I have the one for Jedi. I, and again, I don't know that I've ever listened to that one all the way through. But the first two, Star yeah. Wars and Empire, I don't I don't think I've ever heard these. I, I at least I don't remember things. if I have. I listened to them over and over and over again because they were some of that, you know, there was that void, as we've talked about before, Marvel Star Wars kind of helped fill that void. But what about getting the original film? What do you do there? Do you read the novel? Do you, you know, in in 12 minutes, I can re-experience the original film. Well, see, for me, what filled that void for me record-wise was the story of albums, the the ones that were actually 
whittled down from the the real soundtracks and you know they had yeah. a narrator on them and everything because i never yeah. had the first one but chris had it and he made me a, a an audio tape of it but i had the one for empire and it's funny we we were just talking before we uh started the show chris and i were talking about the story of uh the empire strikes back because chris has uh, now you call it one- that now that was a re-release title though right yeah see i right. had the original one which was the adventures of luke skywalker it is a dark time for the rebellion. Although the Death Star has been destroyed, Imperial troops have driven the rebel forces from their hidden base and pursued them across the galaxy. Evading the dreaded Imperial Starfleet, a group of freedom fighters led by Luke Skywalker has established a new secret base on the remote ice world of Hoth. The evil Lord Darth Vader, obsessed with finding young Skywalker, dispatches thousands of remote probes into the far reaches of space. What, the RSO recording? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know the one I'm talking about? It was it was where Luke and yeah. Vader are fighting Me? in front of the big window. Yeah, yeah with the beautiful oh, yeah, no. painted cover. No, yeah, it was gorgeous. I I had to save for that thing. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was treasured. And I'll tell you, I treasured that more than I treasured my story of Star Wars, which I also had to save for because it was it was not cheap as far as records go. But uh, I hated, I hated Roscoe Lee Brown's voice. Princess Leia is discovered by Vader's stormtroopers. There's one set for stun. Hated it. See, I never really cared for him as the narrator of that album, but I, I yes. do sentimentally. I, I, I like the guy because, of course, he was the voice of Box in uh, in right. Logan's Run. Fish and plankton and sea greens and protein from the sea. I always liked uh, Malachi Throne, who was yes. the narrator of the one for Empire, and of course he yes. uh, he's got Star Trek roots because he was. Uh, Oh, what was the guy's name? Mendez, I think, was his name. The the lead prosecutor guy in the classic uh, Menagerie two-parter on the original Star Trek. And then many years later, he was Pardak, the uh, Romulan that Spock makes, makes friends with on Romulus in that two-parter where Spock was on Next Gen. He's just got a great voice. Yeah, he does. It's big yeah. and powerful. Yep. Luke's destiny has taken a different path. He approaches the planet of the Jedi Master. Yep, that's it. Dagobah. And I love that. Now, so when the Empire came out, I was expecting more of a long time ago in a galaxy <laughs> far, far away. I'm ready. And you're ready. It's my job to freeze you. <laughs> and instead, we got a guy, you know, he just he just dove and in fact they didn't say a long time ago in, in the Empire Strikes Back one if I'm not mistaken they just went straight into the story they did what was really funny is I remember the very first time when I got that album and I ran home to listen to it and the very first time I put it on and it's going along and I'm like yes this is the movie and then all you know it gets way into it before Malachi Throne talks for the first time and as soon as he started talking I'm like ah damn it <laughs> one of the Imperial probes finds its mark. The rebel forces inhospitable planet. Well, he talks at the he talks at the very beginning. Yeah, that's right. He gives he the na- yeah, he gives the crawl. That's right. I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, but he yeah. doesn't he doesn't do a great adventure took place <laughs> and a lion king was born. I mean, it's. 
See, I, I'm looking up here the other guy, um, the one that did Return of the Story of Return of the Jedi, because his name doesn't ring a bell, Chuck Riley. Rebel commanders were planning their next move against the evil Galactic Empire. For the first time, all warships in the Rebel fleet were being brought together to form a single great armada. And, and he's probably a Disney house guy. Yeah, so he is like, actually. He's done. Yeah, yeah, he did a lot of uh, trailers and such. Says uh, I don't remember there being a narrator in Meet the Robinsons, but it says he was the narrator in Meet the Robinsons. And then he did a lot of trailer work. It says here. It's just the name just doesn't ring a bell. But uh, but yeah, that one that one I didn't buy initially uh, because again albums were just expensive. Mm-hmm. And Return of the Jedi had, you have to admit, the biggest onslaught of toys you had ever seen in your life. Yeah, yeah. they were ready for that one. Yeah. And uh, so I, I was so busy trying to snap up toys, there was just no way. Now, I say that, but then at the same time, I would say, well, that was probably a little bit later. I did buy the Strange Brew album. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, I didn't buy this initially because, like I said, there were just a lot of toys to buy at that point. And it was very expensive. I went back and got it later on ebay and i found an unopened copy of it and uh my my father-in-law my who's no longer with us unfortunately was a huge audiophile he was a guy who had no no desire to actually be in you know the audio business but he still bought the same software used to the radio station he owned adobe audition and he bought a 300 400 uh turntable wired it up to a sound card and he would make uh digital files out of all of his lps that was like a hobby of his. So I said, aha, Mr. Brown, have I got a project for you? And I gave him my story of Star Wars, my adventures of Luke Skywalker, Empire Strikes Back, and the story of Return of the Jedi that I had bought. And I said, make me some CDs of these, would you? Oh, and by the way, I just bought this brand new uh, Rebel Mission to Orb Mantel. Will you put that on there as well? And he did. And what he would do is he would painstakingly go through. He wouldn't use a pop filter. He would go through and individually remove every yeah. crackle and pop itself. He would cut wow. and just highlight and delete each one. So I've got these really clean digital copies of all of those albums. I have the technology for that now, but my all my Star Wars records are <laughs> battered. Yeah. All my story of ones. I've got nice clean of all the soundtracks just because they're so, you know, I, I keep finding them until I find a better copy and a better copy. Yeah. But... I've never, I've never gotten a copy of Rebel Mission to Ordnet Mantel or Planet of the Hoojibs yet. I'm still looking for those. I don't even look on eBay for them, but I'm still. Really? Why not? I just figure they're probably too expensive. I probably should. You know, back in the day, uh, and this was, I don't know, uh, early 2000s. I got mine for under 10 bucks, and oh, it was okay. Sealed. So, uh, I should, yeah, I should look those they up. can be had. Yeah, they can be had. And I've got, like I said, I've got really good copies, digital copies of all that stuff now because he went to the trouble of doing that. He got mad at me, though, because the, the Jedi one I bought happened to be a picture disc. Ooh. And I didn't realize that to audiophiles, that's not the same vinyl. And They're not picture that good. Don't yeah, sound the vinyl's good. No. not as good. Yeah, so he let me have it about that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I've still got a decent. He still went through. It was funny, though, because he was such a stickler for all the sound that, you know, I gave him the gave him the records and the the story of star wars i played once when my dad made a tape of it for me and never played it again because i had a cassette of it and he gave back to me this is crap what have you been doing with this thing all this years i was sitting in the sleep sorry (laughs) 
I loved Rebel Mission to Ord Mantel. Oh, yeah, I used to did. listen to that one all the time. Yeah. After the destruction of the Death Star, the Rebel Alliance was forced to abandon its base on the fourth moon of Yavin. Hunted by Darth Vader and the Imperial Star Destroyers, the Rebels have taken refuge on the ice planet Hoth and begun establishing a new base there. But the Princess Leia Organa and the other Rebel leaders know that to have the Empire locate them on Hoth would be a disaster. And so, the dangerous job of diverting the Star Destroyer's attention falls to the Rebellion's most daring and capable warriors. Now, two Rebel X-Wing fighters draw near to a jungle world, much like Yavin's fourth moon, as Lieutenant Commander Luke Skywalker and Captain Han Solo prepare to carry out a hazardous mission. Here we go, Han. One quick pass at the planet. You ready? Ready to get chased and shot at, you mean? I can't wait. Luke, how do I let you talk me into these things? And when Chris and I were doing uh, our, our Star Wars audio parody series there, Battling Outer Space Wars, I stole a lot of audio off of Rebel Mission to Ord Mantell for background noises and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I loved that one. And uh, I'm sitting here. I'm lo- It's been years since I've dug that out. I'm sitting here. I'm looking at an image of the cover to that. And I forgot how great the cover is because it's a fully painted cover. Yeah. And it's essentially, they just borrowed the backgrounds of Cloud City, but you've got uh, 3PO is having a panic. He's sitting in essentially like a like a next Star, Wars, Star Trek The Next Generation shuttlecraft yeah. that has yeah. a docking clamp on it, and Luke is leaning off the side. He's wearing his Bespin fatigues, and he's lopping off the, uh, the docking clamp with his lightsaber as stormtroopers are shooting at him and the Falcons coming up in the background. It's just a great cover. Yeah, but uh, I I love this adventure because it was just you know it was that missing chapter because you 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 never really got the story of going from Yavin and finding a new base and all that and that's where this one starts. It starts where Luke and Han are each in X wings, which I thought just that idea of Han Solo flying an X wing I always thought was a really cool idea. And they're both in X-Wings and they're out on their scouting mission. And that's when they come across Hoth and think, hey, this would make a pretty good base. Let's go back and tell Leia about it. And well, they wait, do wait. and get involved in a whole different adventure, which is pretty well, cool. Well, wait, wait. No, actually what they're doing is, if you remember, they've set up the base on Hoth. They're setting up the base on Hoth. And Luke and, and, and Hannah are going out on these missions where they're going to jungle planets and waiting for Imperial patrols to show up and then taking off to make them think they're looking for a jungle planet. So that they won't look in places like Hoth. Mm-hmm. Okay, no, I don't remember that. I, okay, yeah. I guess I remembered it wrong. I, I thought they they were actually hunting for Hoth at the time. No, they're they're building. They're still building the the tunnels and everything at Hoth base. They talk about that in the there's album. A, there's actually. a scene where Hans complaining about the cold on Hoth. Yeah, right. And what yeah, I remember that. Yeah, they're going out and providing decoys. They're going to jungle planets on established imperial routes and making themselves known, and then hitting hyperspace and getting out. I got you. And uh, so no, it's, it's, a neat, it's a neat thing, though, because it, it really does think about how did we settle on Hoth, what did we do, how did we make sure that nobody would come looking for us, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, I, how do we I, get and, funded? Know, <laughs> Where do yeah, we get our yeah, money? Yeah, <laughs> how do we get funded? Yeah, and uh, you know, not, not, if you're not going to go to a banking planet, <laughs> right. how are you going to get funded for the rebellion? Right. So, But Brian Daly wrote this, as you guys, I'm sure, know. Mm-hmm. And, 
you know, we all kind of have a Star Wars, and, and that's why we kind of sometimes have these arguments where some people hate the prequels, some people love them, some people hate the Clone Wars, some people hate Timothy Zahn's Heir to the Empire, some people hate Kevin J. Anderson. And so we all kind of have our Star Wars. And what Brian Daly did consistently was give me my Star Wars. Right. Whether it was the solo trilogy of novels or whether it was the radio dramas or this thing, it, Brian Daly always could hone in on what I liked about Star Wars and what I wanted out of Star Wars. Uh, I'm gonna I, I totally to go, agree with that. I'm going to have to go back and, and reread his Han Solo books because I'll, I'll be honest with you. You were never. A big I, ne- fan I never was a fan of those. I, I just I, I didn't like the the style of them. But I am such a huge fan of, of this story of Rebel Mission that uh, I'd be willing to go back and give them a, a second look just because you're, you're you've talked about them so passionately. I, I might find something in them now that I just didn't find in them when I was a kid. Well, the good news is if you don't change your mind, you won't have wasted a lot of time because they're short. Right. Right. So eh, you give a few days to to read in the first one. You don't care for it. Yeah, you move on. Yeah, I might have to go back and check that out. But so you never you never bought the books and records. Well, I I take it I had some of them. This is the thing is that uh, you had Planet of the Hoochibs, didn't you? Yeah, because I mean, and to me, Lord Mantell. Basically, the the because when you proposed this last time, I thought, well, this segment will be short because there's only like two of them. Because I was only ever really aware of um, Droid World. You know, they were called the Further Adventures, and there were two of them. It was Droid World, and there was Planet of the Hoojibs, which are both adaptations of stories from Marvel Star Wars. And if you guys, if if the listening audience goes back to Star Wars Monthly Monday, hunt up whatever episodes it was where we talked about those, we actually played those uh, those albums, you know, in because they were 45, so they're short. They're, you know, they play like, what, like 10 minutes or something. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're about 12, yeah. And like I say, I knew that there was the, the full cast, you know, the recreation audio, whatever you want to call it, for Return of the Jedi, because I have that one as well as a 45. And I knew that the Ewoks Join the Fight is out there because I've passed yep. up buying it a million times. I've never listened to it. I've never owned it. It just it looked kiddie, so I really wasn't well, interested. And I'd forgotten that there was the the Star Wars and Empire uh, full cast ones as well. But as uh, I was doing a little bit of homework on this before the show, I never realized that there were the adaptations of the two Ewok adventure movies. I had no yes. idea that those existed. Yes. Yeah, me neither. I didn't get a chance to listen to those, although those would have been the ones I would have been most interested in seeing how they came out. Although and they I... were the ones that I passed up. Mm-hmm. It just, you know, again, it had gotten to a point where eh, I liked the movies. I watched the movies. I had no problem with the movies, but I just, there were other things I could spend my time. By the time those things mm-hmm. were out, I was full-blown comic book fever. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Same I here. could spend, yeah, I could spend three ninety nine on that, or I could buy six comic books. Right. And so uh, that choice was kind of easy to make. There were also two in what they call the Discovery series, which was uh, one called Adventures in ABCs, which, again, I've passed that one up for years. But the next time I see that, I'm going to snag it because it says here that uh, Anthony Daniels actually did play 3PO on that. And then there's another one I'd never heard of before called uh, Star Wars Adventures in Colors and Shapes, also with uh, Anthony Daniels as 3PO. I've never even seen that one. That one would be worth owning just because the... uh, the cover art on it is really cool. And those I never got because they were too kitty. Right, yeah. Yeah, not but to be confused get... with the Timothy Leary album, Adventures in Colors and Shapes. That's a... <laughs> Don't get the two confused when you're buying one for your kid. No, exactly. But uh, 
you know, the, the Buena Vista people put this stuff together. A guy named Jim Magon is the guy who went and lobbied Lucasfilm and said, we want to do this. We want to we want to try this out. Let's let's go to Lucasfilm with it. And they actually went into a big meeting and and Jim Magon, I don't know how old he could have been. He had to have been a kid. But he's a Disney guy. I think he still works for Disney, to tell you the truth. Hmm. Um, don't know that for a fact, but it certainly he certainly spent a very long time doing it. And uh, they went and researched because, again, Empire Strikes Back was in production when they pitched them the idea and tried to get the rights to everything. And they went and did a mock-up of a snow planet because they heard there was a snow planet. And they did, you know, just all these little mock-ups of things that they they envisioned from Empire Strikes Back. And Lucas comes at the meeting, and the first thing he says is, how do you know about Hoth? How do you know about this stuff? And they said, well, you know, we're in tune with you. And so <laughs> from there, they bonded. And some of the people that were on, and here's another reason, Scott Gardner, why you should be interested in uh, in listening to these original books and tapes and try and figure out who's, or books and records, however you do it. Uh, and you should be interested in trying to figure out who's where. Because they pulled... This was Disney voices. This was Tony right. Pope. Yeah. This was Corey Burton. You know, it's it's some of the some Who of the biggies that play in this. Yeah, I don't know, but I know he's on there. Huh. So the voice acting's interesting. Uh, a, a lot of the voice actor, I I remember the voice actor Luke Skywalker's are usually pretty good. Right. Han, yeah. Han usually they sort of have the Harrison Ford, but it's always a little like lifeless. Yeah, uh, well, in in Ord Rebel Mantel, Mission or really Princess Leia is a live one, and in, in that in yeah. Rebel Mission Ord. I've always suspected that it was Anne Sachs in all of those because hmm. it sounds like her from the radio show, but it, it's hard to tell. And I I can't seem to find a website anywhere that tells the the voice cast for these things. Which she is gets really the most annoying. exciting stuff to do. She gets to like slut it up on the on the microphone to the Imperial. Imperial watch. Right, yeah, but that's right. I yeah, maybe I'll come that. meet you afterwards, and then there's like that'll only hold them for a minute. And <laughs> she think... makes the joke of like, and then they'll open up the box, and he'll be full of garbage or old shoes or something, which we used to yeah. make fun of all the time. As yeah, as I remember. I think that it was Pat Paris who played Leia because she's the only woman that I've seen mentioned in the credits. And what other character could she have been? Right, right. Uh, so I think Pat Paris was it, but she's done again a ton of Disney stuff over the years. But I'll tell you, there's an interesting Jim Magon story where they're getting ready to do Return of the Jedi's book and record, and he's got to produce. And he's actually the guy who produced the story of because again by then Buena Vista had the rights to the long form as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you remember, they went and reissued the others with new covers and. They renamed the Empire Strikes Back when the story of the Empire Strikes Back. Right. But um, as he's trying to prepare Return of the Jedi, they're not giving him anything because he wrote them, he produced them, and they're not giving him anything. Like, no. And they sent him, he said, Well, send me a script. So they sent him a script and it was sanitized. They took all the cliffhanger, all the uh, spoilers out. And he said, There's nothing I can do with this. They said, Well, we can't give anything away. Sorry. So he's struggling to get this thing done. And then one day they send the uh, the soundtrack. They, you know, they've been recording the score. They send tapes of the, of the score over there. And the cues are all named. And one of the score cue cuts is named Brother and Sister. And he says, well, what is this? Where does this go in the recording? Where does this go in the story? Brother and Sister. So he calls Lucasfilm and he goes, look, I got a cue here for the soundtrack called Brother and Sister. Where should I put this? And the lady went, what? They called it that? Oh, they shouldn't have done that. They shouldn't that. And she said, change it, change it, scribble it out and put something else on there. He said, what do you want me to put on there? She said, uh, put, put Luke and Leia. <laughs> Oops. <Duh. laughs> oh, so, 
So that's how he figured out that was going to be one of the plot twists. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> and it's like but the story of the, fired. what was it, Qui-Gon's no, noble death. Yes. On the, yeah. Yeah. Qui-Gon's noble end. <sighs> Either he's got a nice butt or he's going to die. <laughs> and that was another one. I got that one ahead of, uh, I got that one early because it was a promo copy. And that was frustrating. Yeah. I well, was- I'm sorry, go ahead. I remember seeing that on the the soundtrack. Somebody had a recording of it. I'm like, oh, this is the... Oh, okay. (laughs) I guess he's not going to be in the next movie. Yeah, didn't sign that three-picture deal, huh? (laughs) (laughs) What do we got for next time around? Uh Uh, (laughs) Uh-oh. This is for you guys. One of you guys might know this. I I suspect I know the answer, but I figure it's worth asking anyway. I've suddenly gotten re-interested in Viewmasters. I recently was somewhere where they had some Viewmasters on display that I was like, ooh, I must own these, so I'm stalking them on eBay right now. Were there ever Star Wars Viewmasters? I I don't remember remember any. I I mean, 3D Star Wars pictures? You'd think we'd be all over that sometime in the last 30 or 40 years. You know, that's one of those. Somebody mentioned having those to me the other day, and I I don't recall them until maybe you know prequel era right but right, i don't right, think right. i did an original set of them i i, I now i remember the uh what's the little hand crank thing where uh, kenner had the fisher cartridge price. yeah it was fisher price fisher price yeah what were they called fisher price i've got the alien one right here it, in my hand movie yeah, viewer movie viewer that was it yeah yeah, yeah. Now, I had that. that they had what was cool about that is that one day, I don't know why in the world we would have done such a stupid thing, but as it turned out, it was pretty cool. Chris and I busted open my Star Wars movie viewer reel, and it turned out uh, the film that was in there was Super 8. So we put it in my dad's Super 8 projector, and it worked. We, so we used to watch it projected on the wall down in the basement. It was awesome. It actually oh, worked wow. Super 8 projector. Really? Yeah. yeah. We, we would just reel it out into a box in back of it. Yep. It was just a strip of oh, yep. yeah. How great really, is really, that? Yeah, it was awesome. You know what I, I had? I didn't have the film viewer. I don't know where the miscommunication came with my parents, but <laughs> I had the pocket flicks. And the pocket flicks was basically that Fisher-Price film viewer, but it, it was Literature. round instead of a block, and it was motorized. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and okay, yeah, I remember those, yeah. yeah. So you didn't turn a crank, you pulled a trigger. Right, yeah. I was desperate for there to be a Star Wars one of those. I just knew... Star Wars cutting edge technology, they'll get rid of the hand crank and they'll come over to the pocket flicks any minute now. Right. And they never did. <laughs> Don't you hate it? Eh. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you got for next time? Oh, for Pitch next, in, next in time. The hat draw something out. Okay, here we go. We won't go. make you and start next be... time, though. <laughs> huh? We won't make you start next time, though. <laughs> All right. I'm looking through the list of things that we said we wanted to talk about. I will give you guys a choice. All right. Sears Wishbook Exclusives. Ooh. Or Star Wars Knockoffs and Ripoffs. Ooh. Those yeah. are <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I think I'd rather go with Sears Wishbook, but here's the thing. Is there is there somewhere out there? Is like is there like a website resource or something for looking at this old stuff? I would have to I would have to refresh on that cuz I don't have any old Sears catalogs. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, I, I never Stallions got tons about. of them. What's that? Platstallions.com has plenty of them. Okay. Brian Heiler. All right. Tons of them. All 
right. That that sounds like. What do you think, Chris? I'm all for that. Yeah. All right. Wish book exclusives. That sounds good. sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite two true freaks affiliated shows simply click the paypal link on our website donate any amount at all tell us which show you're choosing and what message if any you'd like us to read on your behalf and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode with your message read in the show's opener it's that easy and there is no minimum donation be a show sponsor today. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2TrueFreaks at the same time. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. Visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.com. 2TrueFreaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email 2TrueFreaks directly at 2TrueFreaks at gmail.com. 2TrueFreaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks.